You're listening to Cancer Covered. If cancer is a journey, then scans, x-rays, CTs, MRIs, and PETs are like the road signs along the way. They can help tell us where we're at, where we're going, and whether we're getting closer to or further from our destination. Scans are so frequent in cancer care that some patients start to worry if more than a few months go by between them. And since scans help determine if treatment is or isn't working, they're a recurring source of stress and anxiety for patients. But as good as scans are, there's still a lot they can't tell us. In this episode, we'll give you the inside scoop on scans and cancer care, when and why we need them, when specialized tests like PET and MRI are needed, when they aren't, and also when scans really aren't helpful. You're listening to Cancer Covered with Green Bay Oncology, where we explore pressing cancer issues and look for ways healthcare professionals, patients, and their families can cope better together. I'm Dr. Mitch Winkler. Cancer patients spend a lot of time getting x-rayed and scanned, and cancer doctors spend a lot of time interpreting those scans and explaining them. Scans are an everyday part of the job in cancer care and a source of a lot of recurring questions. So I sat down with Dr. Edgar Bedeen, a medical oncologist and hematologist, to explain the critical role that these scans play in the care of cancer patients and to answer some of the most frequent questions that come up about them. So, Edgar, why do we get all these scans, all these CTs and MRIs and PET scans anyway? So, Mitch, as you know, that th- there are multiple reasons for doing scans and imaging in general. Uh, we do it for uh, our patients who are getting treatment for their cancers. We follow on our treatment response and kind of tells us how the treatment's working. Exactly. Working. Right. Exactly. And it helps us decide changing therapy, decide mm-hmm. the patients are not tolerating. So it has multiple ways that it can help us in our care for cancer patients that are on active therapy. Then it can help us with patients who finish their therapy and we're monitoring what we call survivorship. Mm-hmm. There are some cancers that if we catch them on their recurrence still like mm-hmm. limited, we still have a shot at them. I think some people have the idea that if they've been treated for early stage cancer, whatever the type, that they probably ought to be getting scanned regularly. They ought to be having a CT or a PET scan maybe every three months or so. I think many patients get the idea that what's true of early stage disease, say mammography or colonoscopy for colon cancer, that the earlier we find that brand new diagnosis, that early stage disease, the better they're going to do. And that is absolutely true of early stage disease. But I think a lot of people take that fact and extend it to, well, the early detection of recurrent or metastatic disease must also be beneficial. But that's not really the case most of the time, is it? No, no, uh, it's not the case. There's no finding it early anymore when the exactly horse is already out of the barn. Early, that was that was back then. We 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 did all the treatment that's possible. Early detection of metastatic disease doesn't have the same benefit as early detection of early stage disease. Right. It's a different uh, setting in a way. Mm-hmm. Even in initial diagnosis, I mean, we are aware there's only three diagnoses that early detection changes survival. Which ones are those? Which are breast, mm-hmm. cervical, and colon. Those mm-hmm. are the only proven 
early detection changes survival. Mm -hmm. We had some data for lung. That's why now we do screening for lung mm -hmm. to detect early. It would improve survival based on a landmark study. Right. But other cancers, it's unknown. It's really about how much difference does it make if you catch it before the symptoms appear? Mm -hmm. Do you have an opportunity to cure it when it's can be seen on scan, but before symptoms appear, or if you right. only find it after symptoms appear for some cancers. Exactly. So that's why there's a fine line between doing scans that are truly indicated and an overkill. Some doctors feel better and feel a better handling on the diagnosis if they keep doing scans. Mm -hmm. Although that might not be helpful looking at the big picture. That was the general practice in oncology for a lot of yes. years once CT yes. scans. I mean, patients with it, you know, early stage breast cancer, early stage lung cancer or everything, they, they got scanned at, at very, very great frequency. And that stopped because studies, many series have shown that people were not living longer because of it. Exactly. But, you know, just besides the tremendous burden of increased radiation exposure and the incredible financial burden. Certain types of scans generate more popular enthusiasm than others. Right now, that's especially true of PET scans. Some cancer patients, even some cancer doctors, assume a PET scan should be a routine part of every cancer patient's care. But a PET scan isn't always a necessary or even the very best kind of scan for every cancer situation. Why is there so much enthusiasm for PET scans among cancer patients and some cancer doctors. I mean, they they clearly have their utility. So the PET scan has its advantage over regular CT. It's not only an anatomical test, it's a functional test too. What does that mean? So on CT scan, you might see a mass, particularly in some types of cancer, for instance, like testicular or mm -hmm. lymphomas, or you treat them. Mm -hmm. And then on your follow-up, you might see some persistent masses or persi persistent anatomical lesions. Yeah, a so little, a little bump or an enlarged little or something. Mm -hmm. So we know, based on studies, some of those are kind of scarred. So some of them would be still visible on scan. And we're not sure, are those truly cancer? Do they have viable tumor? Yeah, is that cancer in that little bump alive exactly. or dead? Exactly. You can't always tell. Because if there's activity, now we might biopsy, we mm -hmm. might even all the way to surgical resection if we're not able to biopsy. Mm -hmm. But we have to be vigilant of limitations of PET scan. Right. Sometimes it confuses because it can pick inflammation, it can pick radiation inflammation, it can pick it, infection. I think it's commonly misunderstood that a PET scan is the same thing as a cancer scan, but it's really picking up metabolic activity. Well, cancers do have increased metabolic activity rel relative to normal tissue. So does inflamed tissue. So does things like uh, sarcoid, which is an inflammatory disease that can cause big hot lymph nodes and confuses us all the time. Right, right. So it has to be interpreted in the right context. Mm -hmm. That's why you notice that it's recommended if you've had radiation not to do the PET scan like the traditional CT scan within a few weeks. We actually wait six to eight weeks. And sometimes that creates anxiety in patients while we're waiting because the results might not be interpretable well. The normal course of radiation causes a lot of inflammation. Exactly. It's actually some of the inflammation that goes in there and cleans up the dead cancer, but you can't tell if it's dying cancer or 
cancer that's still growing on a PET scan if you get it too soon. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's important to make it clear that sometimes we have to wait and it helps us define the response, but definitely there is some overdoing of PET scans. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. Every patient with early stage cancer wants to know whether the treatment worked. Is the cancer all gone forever? Or did enough of it survive to regrow someday? And most people assume that scans like CTs and MRIs or PET scans can tell us that. But that's just not the case. You know, once a patient with, say, early stage or, say, middle stage breast cancer or colon cancer or lung cancer has completed treatment that we've given with the intention, but not the certainty of cure, I think every patient at the end of that treatment wants us to be able to tell them whether they're cured or not. I always find that question to be a bit of a problem because a clear scan today isn't the same thing as cancer-free, is it? Completely right. It's just we have to be very clear. A clean CT scan at least tells us at this point in time, we have no evidence of disease. That's why we keep following over time. Otherwise, we would have done only one scan mm -hmm. and call it a day and we're done. Right. But we don't. We monitor at least usually five years. For a period of time. So... So we can't say for sure we are cancer-free. So we can say to a good extent, we're not seeing any suggestion of your cancer, but we have to wait, time will tell us. That's actually the sentence right. that I use frequently. Time will tell us, exactly. Only time can tell us that. And that, that's gotta be a hard spot for cancer patients to be in. Scans can't tell us whether someone at the end of what we call adjuvant therapy, you know, after surgery, we give additional chemotherapy to mop up any microscopic disease that might be left. Scans can't tell us at the end of that therapy whether someone's cured or not. What other kinds of things can't a scan tell us? The scan doesn't tell us what will happen next. It tells us at this point of time that we have no evidence. Does it tell us in a month there'll be no evidence? No. Right. It doesn't tell us the future. Just because the sky is clear today doesn't mean it won't be storming tomorrow. Exactly. There are other important things scans can't tell us. As good as modern scans are at detecting and measuring most cancers, even very small ones, not all cancers grow or spread in the same way. And some of them just don't show up well on even the best scans. You know, the, the tumors that are easiest to measure are the ones that grow in a radial fashion, meaning they, you know, they they grow in, in like a ball and they, they take up space. But there are some cancers, particularly like ovarian cancer, and although it can make deposits and, you know, nodules, it can also grow along tissue planes. And yeah, it takes quite a lot of coating of that cancer on those tissue planes to show up on a CT scan. I tell patients sometimes are saying, well, why are we having so much trouble telling if that's better or worse? And I'll say, well, look at that wall over there. Can you tell how many coats of paint are on it? 
it's really really hard to tell the difference and there are some cancers that grow like that not just ovarian cancer but in any kind of cancer that coats the inside of the abdomen uh, can be really tricky to measure sometimes as ct scans they they're one part of or one tool of multiple we use to evaluate patients for instance, some patients would say, I, I'd had a negative CT scan. Why do I need a colonoscopy, for mm-hmm. instance? Because the scan might not show the inside of the bowels as good or Why as well. Well, because of the anatomy, how the inside organs, sometimes it's, as you were mentioning, it's subtle, really, and not big enough or not a space occupying lesion mm-hmm. and the bowels themselves have folds in them and stack on top and it can easily you know obscure Multiple layers so they might not see the inside mm-hmm. um, so it has the limitations doesn't replace a colonoscopy some patients same principle like i've had a scan that's negative why do i need a mammogram mm-hmm. why do i need a pap smear they're not the same its screening role doesn't have as many indications as our monitoring role and diagnostic role so for screening it's you know limited indications actually lung cancer is probably the only indication for screening with a ct scan there isn't as of now a well-established indication to use ct scan for screening Mm -hmm. It's definitely used for monitoring, definitely used to help us diagnose the cancer because sometimes we have new lesions in areas that might be risky to biopsy. We can perforate the lung. We can be close to a vessel. So completion scans could tell us maybe other sites that are more amenable. There might be a mass in the liver that's easier to biopsy or some other lymph node. So it helps diagnosing and stage our cancer. And staging would give the oncologist the kind of the map, what treatment and what approach and what plan of care would be. No one should carry the burden of cancer alone. And while every physician approaches cancer with their own unique skill set, we all agree on this one simple idea. Hi, I'm Dr. Gayu, a physician at Green Bay Oncology. The truth is, a cancer diagnosis can make you and your loved ones feel isolated and overwhelmed. And these moments are exactly when you need support the most. That's why all our doctors rely on the support of our team of qualified medical professionals. And here's two of them. Hi, I'm Madison Young. And I'm Tom Beckers. As social workers, we see how meaningful connection brings strength and healing to patients and loved ones facing cancer every single day. Our patients and physicians agree, sharing your experience in a safe space with others is powerful and therapeutic. That's why we offer a free monthly virtual and in-person cancer support group facilitated for you, wherever you are on your cancer journey. So whether by internet, phone, or in person, you'll have access to the support of a community on a similar path. To join us, visit gboncology.com and click on support. Edgar, cancer patients get a lot of scans, and for many, 
if not most, a CT or an MRI or a PET scan is the admission ticket to the cancer clinic, isn't it? And then a lot of times when we meet them, we send them for more scans as we do something called staging. Right. A simple example, like presenting with some abdominal pain, there's a pancreatic mass. We definitely, we start the workup and biopsy of the mass, but yet we don't know the extent of disease. So we supplement it with CT of the chest, for instance. So doing those scans to to stage the cancer, as I said earlier, to define the, the, the map of the care. How far the cancer spread, which we determine by this process we call staging, is really what defines what's possible or not possible. Right. And what we can expect to achieve or not achieve in the treatment of most cancers. And that's it, it also our tactics might change. Sometimes if we've got an early stage cancer or very limited to one particular area, we might do something like surgery or radiation, whereas with an advanced stage cancer, you know, a local solution's not not gonna be nearly enough and, and we need to change our tactics. So it changes the tactics, it helps set expectations and sometimes like in the case of if we do find brain metastasis sometimes that creates a priority on what we need to act on first because you know those brain right. metastases often will create severe problems before anywhere else and have to be tackled first so it really uh sort of sets the board for a lot of the care that that initial staging evaluation and scans are a critical part of that because scans clarify a cancer stage, and a cancer stage can clarify life expectancy, it might seem to follow that scans can serve like mile markers on the highway, even giving us an ETA on when we'll arrive. But that's something else scans can't do. You know, Edgar, often I'll get asked to do a scan in someone whose cancer is already become uncontrollable and, you know, they've either failed several lines of therapy or not been able to tolerate it or, you know, whatever the case. And we're really focusing on comfort care for that patient. But from time to time, I'll get a request from the patient or the family in a situation to say, well, can we get a scan? I think people understandably have the idea that these seemingly all-knowing scans because they've told us so much all along the way can tell us even even that piece of information but they're really not useful in that regard are they they are not no we've all encountered such patients that they want that scan is it needed clinically no but it's always that mutual discussion with patients and if it helps with the decision we might do it sometimes because it's just, I call it closure. I mean, they, sure. they know this is where we are and uh, my options are limited or if they are, they'll be toxic. I don't want to go that route. So it helps. It's not always what's clinically indicated. Sure. Sometimes also patients mindset and perspective is very important. So today's scans can't tell us everything, but they can tell us more than ever before. And step by step, newer imaging technologies and techniques are getting us closer to the day when we will be able to see with true clarity. Edgar, besides CTs and MRIs and PET scans, there's all kinds of other scans, nuclear medicine scans, 
that we use from time to time, usually on a more limited basis. But uh, are there any of those types of specialized scans or newer techniques or modalities that you're particularly interested in? I know there's there's one in particular that's 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 got my attention lately, and that's the what we call the PSMA scan, and it's a scan that uses the prostate antigen incorporates it into a PET scan. So it highlights not just inflamed tissue or cancer in a nonspecific way, the way that a typical PET scan does, but it really localizes areas that are highly expressing that PSA, which is usually just the the prostate cancer cells. So it it, it really is a, a much more cancer-specific scan, and we're starting to use those more and more in the routine care of prostate cancer patients. Actually, that's a very good example. This is actually a very beneficial scan because what we used to call negative before, now we know is those specific, we call them targeted scans because they target the cancer cells particularly. So there aren't other reasons to cause that uptake. Mm -hmm. It's important in prostate cancer, for instance, because now if we define a spread disease, we have treatment that improves survival significantly. Actually in prostate in years, it improves it. If you do it early. If you do it early. So what we didn't know before, what we used to call just the PSA blood test going up, but we're not seeing disease, we'll keep doing what we're doing. Now we know those were kind of missed before because we didn't have the mean to find it. Another example of functional scan is it's a rare tumor called carcinoid, where also we we might not see on the scan, the regular scan, anything. Those are kind of functional scans, similar to PET, but they are more targeted because PET is sugar in general, mm -hmm. but those are targeted to receptors. So they will light up just where those cancers are. Right. Well, a lot of the carcinoids secrete or express octreotide at a high concentration right. and it's right. looking for that very specifically. And it's, it's it's it can really show you a lot of things you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And for that particular diagnosis, for instance, we have a medication that was approved in January 2018 where it's a targeted radiation therapy. If we don't have that functional test, we wouldn't know that those cells are there and can uptake that product. And we wouldn't know we have the indication that we can use that additional therapy. So. Uh, the development in scans and functional scans is amazing. Uh, it's changing the landscape for some cancers and changing how how we start therapy, particularly in younger population. If you improve survival by, like prostate cancer, by multiple years, anyone would want that. So much of how we treat cancer patients now with different types of medicine, molecular therapy, monoclonal antibody therapy is based on how much of a particular special unique protein that the cancer cells express. Not only can that be exploited potentially for therapeutic purposes, but it can at least theoretically be exploited for imaging purposes. I mean, I, I, I'm incredibly excited about this, or I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this type of technology. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to that HER2 or because it will create, it's kind of taking the battle of the cancer to the door of the cancer cell. 
as opposed to kind of a general approach. Right. So like a mass mailer. I mean, we're sending a mass mailer right. with, with some right. of our older therapies yeah. and here yeah. we're getting the exact address. Exactly. Yeah. Andrew, it's been great talking with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was great. Thanks for joining us on Cancer Covered. Please let us know what you think by leaving a review. To learn more, read our blog, request an appointment, search available clinical trials, or even apply to become a member of the team, go to gboncology.com. Oh, 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 oh,